This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us, and we pray that you would once again speak to us through it by your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I wonder, at the start of this new year, what are your expectations and hopes for the year ahead? I don't recall now whether I read this in an article or it had been posted somewhere online, but a couple of weeks ago, someone had written, I'm looking forward to things being precedented again. I have to say that resonated with me. Unprecedented is definitely getting old. Two years ago, who could have imagined that we would be here as we are in the midst of life as it is today? For all of us as individuals, families, and as a church family, this new year will surely bring new challenges and new opportunities. And we face these, no doubt, with a mixture of feelings. Some this morning maybe looking at the year ahead with a sense of hope and eager expectation. Some are recently engaged or are expecting a baby or are looking forward to a new home or job. Others this morning may be feeling apprehensive, fearful or uncertain. Some have recently suffered bereavement or are mindful of time running out with a loved one who is very ill. Some are fearful about their jobs, their finances, their homes, or their families. As Christians, our hope lies first and last in God himself. And this hope is a sure hope. It is not the stuff of wishful thinking that somehow everything will just turn out okay or be easy or comfortable. And though we may be tempted to look at those things that make us afraid or excite us most in the coming days, whatever the context, I want to ask you this morning to put those things aside for a moment. And instead, let us begin this new year by looking to God and considering all that he has done for us. The church at Ephesus was a church which, not unlike Ascension, had a good reputation and was in many ways a great church. Paul begins his letter to this church focusing not on them, be it their achievements or standing, nor on himself, but on God. In verse 3 of chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And towards the end of our service this morning, we'll sing that Matt Redman song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. It's a song of hope, which acknowledges the sovereignty of God, whatever our circumstances. It begins with these words, In the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. And it ends with this verse, On the road marked with suffering, Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be 
your name. No matter if life is plentiful or if it may be very hard in the coming months, still we can say, blessed be God. This is not a mantra to be repeated mindlessly. Rather, it is a statement that God is utterly dependable and he is trustworthy. I was chatting to someone after the, uh, the previous service this morning uh, and reflecting on that song, Blessed uh, Be Your Name. And it was written 20 years ago. And it's one that we used to sing a lot and sing less often now. But I was thinking back over just the last 18 years that I've been here and can testify to the truth of God's faithfulness in times that have been very good and in times that have been very difficult. And, and it's a joy to be here and to sing these and to proclaim these truths and proclaiming God's goodness and declaring our trust in him reminds us of the truth of who God is, of all that he has done in Christ, all that he is doing and will do through his Holy Spirit among us. Blessed be God. In the last church I served in England, I, I had the privilege of visiting a dear lady who died just the year before I came to Ascension. Her name was Miss Smout, and she was 100 years old. Each time I visited, I took my hymnal, and at her request, we would sing. Uh, she was almost completely blind, uh, but she knew all of the words of the hymns uh, by heart. Her favorite hymn, um, which I learned she sang every night before she went to bed, and which wasn't in the hymnal, was count your blessings, name them one by one. And I have to say, it was a rather twee hymn, and it's not one that I'll be asking Chris to uh, add to our canon of music here at Ascension. And yet, in its simplicity, it's profound. Imagine naming all your blessings one by one. It's an exercise, as I commended to the children, that I commend to you. I had a go on Friday and uh, wrote down about 100 blessings, and it took me about six minutes, and I, and I had to stop so I could complete this sermon. What are some of the blessings you have received from God? Our passage this morning from Ephesians sets out some of God's blessings. Verse 3, we have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, we have been chosen by Christ before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, we have been destined for adoption as God's children through Jesus. Verse 6, we have received God's glorious grace. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. And had I read on from our passage this morning, that list continues as Paul speaks of redemption through Christ's blood, of forgiveness of our sins, of the riches of his grace that he's lavished on us, of receiving knowledge of the mystery of his will, of being given insight into God's plans, of having an inheritance with Christ. The psalmist likewise understood how blessed he was. Verse 4, blessed are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. I love that psalm. I, I have this vivid recollection about 30 or more years ago 
visiting my uncle and going to the village church, which was very cold and dreary, and there were almost no people, and it was pretty miserable. Um, and I was at seminary at the time and uh, was thinking, gosh, is this what I really want to sign up for? But the psalm was Psalm 84, and it just spoke to my heart. Better is one day in your courts than a house uh, a thousand years elsewhere. Better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell somewhere else. I can't remember. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with the sermon. Um, the thing is, God pours out his blessings not only because he loves us and because he's a generous God, but also for specific purposes. Paul tells us, verse 4, God chose us to be holy and blameless before him in love. And later on he writes, so that we might live for the praise of his glory. Now that's a New Year's resolution for you. Resolving to be holy and blameless and to live for the praise of God's glory. But how can we live like that? To answer that question, the best place to start is by looking to Jesus. He is the one who came to show us how to live life as God intended for it to be lived. In our gospel reading today, we encounter Jesus as a 12-year-old boy living a life that was holy and blameless and that was lived to the praise of God's glory. I can only imagine how any parent must have, uh, uh, sorry, I can only imagine how Mary and Joseph, like any other parent, must have felt when they discover that Jesus isn't with them. They'd left Jerusalem. In fact, they'd gone a whole day. I can't imagine what was going through their mind. It must have been awful as they go back a whole day's journey searching for him. And it takes them three days before they find Jesus. And it turns out that he hadn't wandered off and got lost. Rather, he was in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And when at last Mary and Jesus find Jesus, Mary does what I guess many of us who are parents have, have done ourselves, which is so relieved to find him. And yet what does she do? She scolds him. How could you have done this to us? What do you think you were doing staying here when we were all going home? Theologian and Bishop Tom Wright comments on this scene. Instead of saying, as she might have, how could I have done this to you, leaving you behind like that? She says, how could you do this to us? Jesus accepts no blame and indeed issues a gentle rebuke. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Or as it could be translated, I must be about my father's business. If we are going to be holy and blameless and to live for the praise of God's glory in this new year, then it's going to require prayer, spiritual discipline, and absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit. We also need to accept that we will probably have a price to pay for devoting our lives to building up the kingdom of God. Jesus did. It is good to be together in church this morning. 
But we are not called to be a cozy club. We are not blessed with every spiritual blessing so that we can merely feel secure. No, we are called to be about our Father's business. We are blessed to be a blessing. And that means doing his work today, tomorrow, and the next day, in the midst of whatever may come. After this incident in the temple, Jesus returned to Nazareth with Mary and Joseph. And we know nothing of his day-to-day -day life from that point on until the start of his public ministry many years later when he was baptized by John the Baptist. And we'll celebrate that next week. But we do know this. As St. Luke tells us, Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. We need to do the same. We can never say that we've arrived as Christians. We can never say that we've arrived as a church. We must not coast along in the coming year. Indeed, there's only one way that you can coast, and that's downhill. I'm greatly challenged by these scriptures today, both personally and for ascension. What does God want us to be about? How are we going to grow in wisdom and stature in this coming year? I pray that the answers to these questions will become ever clearer to us in the coming months. The essence of what Paul was praying for, for the church at Ephesus, was that they would grow in wisdom, that their knowledge of God would increase. And we should pray the same for ourselves. As well as resolving to live lives that are holy and blameless, will you also resolve to pray? Paul's prayer is a great model for us as we pray for one another. Uh, later in this first chapter of Ephesians, in verses 16 through 19, Paul prays this, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that power is available to you and to me. I wonder what will that power of God working in our lives and in this church look like in the year ahead? What are some of your dreams for this new year of God's grace? I hope and pray that we will see the power of God's forgiveness at work in the broken places of our lives. I hope and pray that we will see the power of God's grace enabling us to reach out to those we wouldn't naturally care for. I hope and I pray that we will see God's power infusing our corporate worship, our conversations, our marriages, our work, our recreation 
I hope and pray that we may see more and more lives being transformed and healed and restored by God. Surely this is at least in part what God calls us to be about as we share in his work. He has already poured out his blessings upon us in so many ways. Let us then not be complacent, but let us remember just how much he has blessed us so that we may be holy and blameless and be about his business and be a blessing to others. At the start of this year of 2022, the charges to us this morning from our scriptures are these. Be holy and blameless before God in love. Increase in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Be about your Father's business. And in all things, may we say, blessed be your name. Amen.